Welcome to the Business versus COVID-19 podcast. We speak to relatable people in business working their way through this crisis, just like you. Hosted by Luke Connod and Heather Gorringe, here to bring you practical ideas and advice to help you and your business survive and thrive. Hi, just to say I'm Sam, the mistress of money in three companies which Heather and Luke are involved in. Please note they are not experts. They are not given advice, just sharing their experience in business and beyond. Welcome to the Business versus COVID-19 podcast. We're really pleased to welcome you. I'm Heather Gorringe from Wiggly Wigglers, Great British Florist and Prop Source, and I'm joined today by Luke Connard. Hello, I'm Luke Connard from FET, the school uniform shop, and buy jeans and prop sauce along with you. You definitely are, Luke. Um, just so that you know, we're not into the media hype. We're not into business celebrities. The people that we'll be interviewing are people just like you and me and you, Luke. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're just normal small business people who are trying to work their way through something that none of us have ever experienced before. Definitely. I think the thing is about COVID-19, there's a lot of people that are looking at the negatives and my gosh, there's a huge amount of negatives to look at. But for small business people, we are used to the ups and downs. Of course, this is awful for people that are directly affected in terms of illness and death for this global pandemic. But for small business people, looking at the economic situation, there are many, many challenges, but there are also real opportunities coming along. You know, Luke, will city centres have offices again? It's a very good question. Who knows? I mean, if, if you look at the early data, I was looking at a report yesterday that said once we go back from the new norm As to... Dom Rab said yesterday. Yeah, to go back to normal, which I don't think there will be a go back to where you were before they're saying that public transport will be down 20 percent because people will realize that the two-hour commute each day is not productive Uh, they can get a lot more work done at home the people that own the businesses will realize how expensive big shiny glass offices are and they'll also be the quality of life which is key to people and there are a lot of people that are working probably harder than they did three months ago, but working from home. And we're using Zoom, and we're using WhatsApp, and we're using Skype, and we're using House Party to communicate. How amazing is that? Yeah, the technology that we're using, well, that I can say, you know, and as a, a business that uses technology all the time, I've used loads more video conferencing apps than I've ever used before in the last six weeks some i've never heard of and maybe that will get rid of the smog and maybe make the air cleaner and maybe we won't waste all that petrol sounds silly but you only have to look at the amount of flies on your windscreen at the moment (laughs) when you're driving along you do to see that there is a lot more wildlife about you only have to open your ears in the garden in the morning to hear the birds there is definitely a lot more wildlife around Will we become a nation that goes back to manufacturing? After all, we've become amazingly, it it becomes apparent that the Germans have got the vaccine tests, that the Chinese have got the PPE. Maybe 
we'll start making stuff. Yeah, well, you, that's a, what you said earlier was really good about businesses that are going to change. So we've got quite a lot of artisan gin and vodka makers in Herefordshire. That's not that we drink a lot, although <laughs> Hereford City Centre is where you get the cheapest pint of real ale in the country. Is that right? That's which, right. Which pub is that? The Barrels. Oh, wait yeah. till that's back. Well, that's a whole other episode, isn't it? <laughs> of pubs and restaurants that we can't wait to go back yeah. to. Yeah. That I've is got a, a list. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. back to the matter of hand. Yeah. Um, so I know three artisan gin makers that are now making hand sanitizer and selling it like bilio. And a good one to mention. We can mention names, can't we? Of course. Yeah, Glyn, who's got the bridge at Michael Church Exley, has also got his artisan gin maker. He's now supplying hand sanitizer to Christine Hope at Hopes of Longtown, which is literally up the road, which which is being bought by her customers. Look at the carbon footprint on that, because he was going to the shop anyway to do his shopping. It's amazing, isn't yeah. it? Now I'm imagining that we are a country full of invention. And I don't know what you think, but it seems to me that PPE is in some antiquated, mad moment of the occasional uh, cloth mask and then a screen and then your eyes are being hurt and your arms are covered in this this sort of gown and then there's the plastic thing and then there's the shoe thing. I've got in my mind that there is a woman sat at the bottom of a garden in the garden shed because she's been furloughed, she's bored and she's thinking about this. And instead of um, sewing the occasional mask, she's imagining a new skin of some sort, whether that is a diving equipment skin or, you know, a, a skiing skin, that somehow or other she's got this skin and then she invents a booze which sprays down the person perfectly so that they can reuse this PPE. Well, the, you, you see it all the time, you know, they call it second skins, don't they? They're used for skiing. Look at the mammals in Lycra, all the cyclists, you know, they're oh, always yeah. wearing these second skins. They've all got them. And you can just imagine, as you say, that you put your second skin on, it sort of somehow goes and sticks to you. No, but yeah. you're working in a hospital environment, yeah, so yeah. it's a second, you know, and you walk through a, a thing, as you say, a booth that sanitizes you and then... Once you've dealt with that patient, you go and walk through another booth that sanitises you and get on again. I know. Yeah. There's this person. So yeah. that's what's going to happen. Well, something like that may yeah. happen over the next uh, few weeks. And, of course, we know from our own experience that many businesses are actually thriving. So in my case, the e-commerce side of our business is absolutely booming. And for you, you've got the problem of your shops completely yeah. shutting. And yet you've got your um, e-commerce still active is that right that's absolutely right we've got two retail shops and our concessionate labels that closed on march 23rd um we'd already made the decision before the government said about it and but they closed that was it that that was the end of of those until lockdown's over but we've got our online business and our online business it had a moment where it was quieter but people whilst people were panic buying loo roll and then after that it's slowly come back again now everything i see online is all about what we can get as small businesses by asking our accountants and also the government what's available but the first things that i think as small business people we should discuss and share with other business owners is what we can do 
for ourselves in this moment of madness so can you give me an idea how you've changed your business to be able to function in the warehouse absolutely so as small business owners you and i what do they say um, desperation, desperation is, is the a mo- yeah. Oh, yeah yeah and you and i have had our hard times in our businesses over the years every small business does Definitely. um and so this is i would say without doubt the hardest time and the hardest and the quickest way we've had to adapt as a business however we've extended the operating hours of our warehouse uh we've cut staffing levels so that we can ensure that social distancing is maintained at all times yeah we have put procedures in place for deliveries so we have uh and since probably middle of start of middle of March we've had um, contactless deliveries Um, and it's silly things to give your colleagues reassurance we issued all our colleagues with thermometers so they could check their temperature every morning we issued them all with bottles of hand sanitizer so that they got one in the car we issued them all with gloves so that when they're taking in deliveries or looking at returns and things like that they just put on a pair of their throwaway latex gloves The one thing I would say, by the way, I can think of a harder time and I'm going to bring this up later in this podcast and that is when you have a data breach. Because for me, having a data breach was the thinking that your business was actually not going to be able to function at all. Whereas for me, in this um, moment, we're all in the same boat. So you don't feel quite so isolated. But anyway, come back to that. On data breaches, we both had one of those. Yeah. And it's surprising how many other people you find are in the boat with you that have had them. Everyone you speak to seems to have had one. It's that dirty little secret. It is, isn't it? In the closet. Yeah. Anyway, um, the one thing I was going to say was um, looking at how we've managed to find ways of safely moving on through the business. The one thing that I'd say to anyone who's got a small business that has been encouraged to continue working is do not take too much notice of people that try and go against you because you're actually surviving and managing to work. We had several cases online of people that were criticising other businesses for functioning, whether that was construction when they were working and social distancing or farming or even... Um, sending out products online you know the government have made it clear for business that they want those of us that can continue obviously to continue so we can generate um, employment and so on for other people what what are your thoughts I absolutely agree there was so much negative there were a lot of people and, and understandably March the 23rd the government said this is it we're going into lockdown and they had to bring the procedures, rules and legislation in very quickly. And so there were a lot of people, and the media, I mean, the Daily Mirror and the Daily Mail, they have got a lot to answer for in my book. And others. And others, <laughs> yes. But they have got a lot to answer for, spreading misinformation. Yeah. And um, on social media, you could see people saying, uh, trying to tell people off that we're working in online businesses. It was very clear the government wanted online businesses to carry on um, to enable money to come into the economy. As long as you can social distance. As long as you can do it properly. Yeah. And you can see that with the big, uh, smaller businesses, it's always easier to adapt more quickly. 
you know, like our business, your business, a family business. You know, I'm I'm sitting two meters apart from you now because our business is a family business, but we're not the same family. Yeah. That's confusing, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Yeah. But um. <laughs> but our both businesses are both family businesses, and um, it's easier for us and quicker for us to adapt. Big businesses, you saw B and Q. They've just reopened their stores, and I went into one of their stores at the weekend, and it was superbly managed. They had people telling you what to do, constant announcements, very orderly fashion, and the customers were adhering to the rules. So a bigger business, it took them a little bit longer to adapt, but they're there now. One of the things that I found was a challenge as we've gone into this period was the supply chain. So um, for us, uh, in our floristry business, we sell a lot of flowers, and you will have seen on the, the news many times, I'm sure, how the Colombians and the Kenyans and the Dutch are throwing away all the flowers. And the Dutch auction, in fact, on the first day of lockdown, it took them three weeks to shred the amount of flowers that they failed to sell. I saw that on the television. It's amazing. Yeah, um, awful for those oh, businesses. It's awful. Yeah. Um, having said that, one of the things I found in this crisis is to find your way around this and the first thing that we did was phone our main suppliers of British flowers and assure them that we could continue if we possibly could. And as things have progressed, we've got more and more suppliers, even one locally that turns out to be 15 miles down the road that we didn't know about that had no, that had no market for his flowers. So it's amazing how you can reconnect yeah. with people throughout Absolutely. it. And that, and that is what we've said there is the key thing talking to people don't bury your head in the sand it's so easy to shut the door behind you and think it'll all go away we have found with all our suppliers talking to them has been brilliant they have been hugely supportive we're all in as you said earlier we're all in the same boat and if we talk and work together we can build stronger relationships coming out of this and your suppliers will respect you if you ring them up and say actually i can't afford to pay you anything this week but I'm a shopkeeper and I know that the council are going to pay me my uh, grants because they've confirmed it to me. So as soon as that comes, I'll make sure, you know, I shall make sure that I pay my account. And Luke, I know you've been fundamental in supporting other businesses. I know you've been promoting hand sanitizer and all sorts of things. How have you found other businesses coping with changing what they're doing, adapting to the new circumstance? I found some fantastic, fantastic entrepreneurs that are, you cut them in half and they say entrepreneurs <laughs> that adapt immediately. Uh, and I found some businesses that just have pulled over the duvet and, you know, you, uh, they're not even responding to emails. They're not even responding to telephone calls. And from bitter experience in my life, I've been working for myself ever since I was 12. Um, it's a long time and you know the key thing is if there's a problem confront it don't run away from it so a few tips on what people can do if they've got conventional businesses and there's a chance of getting through it I would say one of the key things is can you sell online so I know one business that um, has got an old junk shop um, it's uh, completely shut its doors quite rightly, but this lady makes amazing pictures, she frames things, she puts things online 
and I know that she is in her shop now with the door shut. With her daughters, they were doing the packing yeah, the other day. They were. <laughs> um, we'll have Hayley on the show as soon as we can. Yeah. And yet I had another question from a lady who's also got a shop, a cake shop, and she'd shut her doors and stopped. And I was able to say to her, go back, open your door, lock it to the public, make your cakes, see if you can market those to farm shops, see if you can do a pickup in any way you can, because the one thing we found out here is that farm shops have saved so many people from having a hard time when the supermarkets simply weren't there. We had no internet deliveries around here and yet the farm shops worked. Mm. And you can see that going past, or we've got a lot of farm shops in Herefordshire and as you're going past doing your deliveries or whatever, you can see that they're fully stocked, you can see that they've got got the hang of it because they're independent businesses so they were able to adapt really quickly yeah. and are serving their communities. Yeah. And that's village shops. Uh, I've got two friends that have village shops. Can I name them? Yeah. yeah. So I've got uh, Andre, well, our, our mutual friend. Andre, our mutual friend, has got the village shop in Barter Street. They adapted immediately and they have become the centre of their community. They are delivering to, I know a huge number of people he's delivering to that are locked down. Um, they're taking the orders over the telephone, they're processing the card payments, uh, they've got an orderly system for customers to come into the shop. Because Andre's a true entrepreneur, if you want something, Andre has got it. Who's um, that bloke of Dad's army? Fraser, was it? Oh, no, Fraser's the uh, funeral oh, yeah. director. Oh, yeah. No, I was thinking more Dell. Dell oh, Trotter. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Dell yeah. Trotter. Yeah. Andre is Dell Trotter. Yeah. And then you've got uh, Julie. She's got the uh, shop in Wellington. And they're now, they've linked up with the local pub. And they're now doing takeaways, fish and chips, and th- uh, delivery service on a Friday night. The stag at Titley. They're yes. doing yeah, collection and delivery on a Friday and Saturday night. I've had one. Yeah, we don't live close enough, so you can't justify the journey mm. from here, unfortunately. It was delicious. Yes, thank you very much. Peppered steak. Yeah, we mm. did have a burger shop on uh, Saturday night. Lovely. And it was, without doubt, the best one I've ever had. And they've got their systems in place exactly as you'd expect. I tell you what, I find it really inspiring to see the businesses that have actually adapted to this time and made the most of what they can. I'm fully aware that many businesses... supported their communities. Absolutely. I'm fully aware that not every business can do that, but most businesses can find something to do during this lockdown, whether it is set up the LinkedIn profile that you haven't done before, yeah. uh, find ways of phoning up your customers to make sure that you've got them booked in for when things get better, selling vouchers if you're a beauty consultant or a hairdresser, uh, doing lessons online if you're a hairdresser, looking at most people's haircuts. Um, Why are you looking at mine when uh, you say that? Very nicely. So let's listen to another one of these businesses that have actually found a way around their sales and are working to function inside their community. We're going to move over to Hamish Light from Field to Fork. So welcome, Hamish, to the Business versus COVID-19 podcast. Um, it's great to hear from you. Thank you, Heather. Um, could you tell me a little bit about your business, 
prior to COVID-19. Field to Fork Catering uh, has been traditionally an outdoor catering business. Majority of our work is uh, weddings in marquees and uh, different venues. We do a lot of parties uh, at people's houses and we've got some street food trailers as well. So we're predominantly um, all outdoor catering. And you've um, done really well, haven't you? I mean, I've experienced some of your beautiful food and you've won several awards and been very successful. That's correct. Yeah, we, we've got a very, very good team. Um, Katie has got a, a whole range of people helping her um, all the way sort of from 15, 16, all the way up through. And they're all very helpful. And I think um, they've, they've helped us win these awards as much as anything. Lovely. And how long have you been trading, Hamish? Katie uh, was a sole trader for um, two years, started in 2015, and then in 2017, we became a limited business. Lovely. And I presume um, focusing on fantastic social events, weddings, and all that sort of thing, that COVID-19 had a quite serious impact on your business. Yes, definitely. It's um, yeah, it's been pretty frustrating, um, and I think very frustrating for the people who've arranged the parties, weddings um, and big parties, 40th, 60th. Uh, trying to rearrange that has been fairly testing. Um, just, we've got our 2021 calendar, which is fairly booked up anyway, and now we're trying to rearrange events from this year to either push them back this year or to find a slot next year which has been frustrating for us and for the people we're doing it for so in terms of the longer term looking at your business you you feel fairly confident if your order book is full is that would that be fair yeah we we're confident we we ever the optimist um <laughs> just trying to make a plan and keep keep it busy and so we're now, I think, on week four or five of COVID lockdown. What were the first steps that you looked at taking when this all kicked off? Firstly was um, to try and pay attention to um, the couples that we had booked in for this year to try and reassure them that we, we were still going to be available for communication, for getting things sorted. And then once we had sort of got those um, sort of settled and in place, we then turned our attention to trying to see how we could uh, reopen as a catering business to keep the business going. And did you consider any of the steps that the government support was in place? Because it's so unusual, isn't it, for us as self-employed or company directors to have the government actually saying that they're going to supply us with rebates or loans or whatever it is. Did you look at those options? What's your thoughts on those? Um, we did. We, th we thought it was very uh, very helpful and very quick to for the government to bring up some of those initiatives. Um, I understand a lot of them, they didn't have much time to think them through, so decisions were made, and then I think secondary follow-up sort of answers had to be given. But we went down the route of trying to get our VAT deferred as quickly as we could, yeah. Um, and 
when we looked into sort of the furlough side of things, uh, Katie and I are, are business directors. Uh, we take a salary and then we take dividends. Um, obviously, in a lot of small businesses, the salaries that you take are fairly minimal. So getting an 80% um, furlough of your current salary is is pretty low. So we decided one of us should be furloughed and the other one would have to keep the business going, um, going down that route. We then, this year, have just recently um, had a new premises built and done for ourselves that we've just moved into now in April. So we didn't qualify for any of the business rate grants that were available. Um, we have been in touch with the council um, and they've suggested that if anything else does come up in the future regarding anyone who doesn't pay business rates, they'll be in touch with us. And what about Sybils, the government-backed loan? The Sybils, we um, we were interested to find out from Barclays, our, our bank, what, what support there was available. Um, we were on the phone for many hours without an answer, and then we left our request a call back. It took four weeks for them to, just under four weeks for them to call us back. Um, but in the meantime, we decided we couldn't wait that long for them to come back and then probably another two, three weeks after that of paperwork to, to finalize it. So we went and approached uh, a contact I know who's given us a loan to get us through sort of the rocky period uh, so that we can come out the other end. Brilliant. But I suppose really what I'm interested in is how you've altered and pivoted your business to um, survive and thrive. So tell me a bit about the steps that you've actually taken to survive and thrive through this crisis. Part part of the loan that we we requested uh, from the contact I know was was purely for investment purposes to invest in changing our business from an outdoor caterer into a ready meal type delivered box business. Um, and we've changed. We are now offering a, sort of a takeaway style business where we'll have it delivered by courier to your door with instructions of how to finish finish it off so you can enjoy it um, that day or the next day. Um, we are also moving into the ready meal side where we will have 16 different ready meals um, which will be launched next week sometime. But we're going to be doing that in conjunction with our new business that we've started we've teamed up the field to fork have teamed up with the dm lab in hereford and we've launched locally sourced which is i call it sort of a an amazon style business but for everything herefordshire wow so, so you've actually so let me get this clear so you you've altered your whole business to be able to offer ready meals to um, people like me, I've ordered one by the set way. I've ordered a curry for Friday. I'm looking oh, forward okay, to it. <laughs> um, and you've also set up a completely new company um, that that does what? The new the new business is uh, focused on helping Herefordshire businesses and suppliers with a sort of central online marketplace, a, a platform for selling their products through a central network of uh, courier distribution, uh, central packing area. So 
we've approached many Herefordshire businesses who aren't um, trading, and some of them still are trading, and offered them to come on board with us. Um, it's an online platform. They can have their their products um, on our site. We will then create a mixed basket for the customer, so the customer can go online and choose, for example, uh, Herefordshire crisps or Herefordshire gin, um, mixed with some, I don't know, garden compost, um, and you get a whole mixed bag that can be delivered in one or two deliveries to reduce uh, the amount of vehicles on the road, carbon footprint, things like that. And are you thinking that we've become more aware of our carbon footprint and sourcing locally as a direct result of this global pandemic? You know, how do you know that this marketing is right for the time? This um, this business, we had actually been in discussions uh, over 12 months now with the DM Lab. We approached them last year talking about this because we feel that there is a, a sort of a global trend away from um, all these big air miles and things like that. And people are actually showing more interest in their local area. And we felt that something should be set up like this and maybe we were quite fortunate, uh, if if you can call it fortunate, that COVID-19 came along because it's pushed us into getting this out there and um, hopefully right time, right place. Amazing. And what are your thoughts for the future um, in terms of all your business enterprises um, working through this pandemic and beyond? I think, I think that... The business world has changed. I think the way people communicate has changed. Um, and I think there's definitely a lot more sort of neighborly, local, friendly feel about life where people are looking after each other now rather than having their head down and 100 miles an hour um, focused on business. So I think there will be a lot more stay at home, a lot more online business um, and a lot more sort of care for your local community. And I know you've set up your own WhatsApp group in your village, and I've done the same in mine. Have you found that, as a business leader, something that's second nature to you? Yeah, I think um, trying trying to be trying to be helpful and get people all um, on the same page does help um, bring communities together and bring business together. I think the quicker you can move and get systems in place the better um, and I think if everyone is sort of working together through one sort of medium whether it's WhatsApp or emails or something as long as everyone's on the same page you can uh, mobilize and move move forward quicker and easier. Brilliant so well thank you Hamish for um, coming on the show you're our first interviewee and we really appreciate your time I'm looking forward to my curry from Field to Fork on Friday, and I'm looking forward to being a part of your e-source business to support Herefordshire companies in the future. So really good luck to you, and I, I hope our listeners will find it an inspiration of what you've done to adapt and pivot your business. Perfect, Heather. Thank you very much for having me on, and uh, enjoy your takeaway and the sticks, because delivery can't get out that far. <laughs> Thanks, Hamish. Cheers, 
So thanks, Hamish, for that. It was interesting, wasn't it, Lee? Yeah, he, uh, he's, well, he's always run an excellent business. He did the pe- used to do the pizzas in our village at Withington on That's a Friday right. night. Mm, yeah. Yum. Yeah. They'll be back. Yeah. Um, so, Luke, I think we should move on to what the government help is on offer and what you've done, and I've done, mm-hmm. um, so far to get the help that we can to, to get through the crisis. Um, the fir- well, there were a number of things, aren't there? There is, uh, there is the option to defer your VAT or your uh, corporation tax or your national insurance and tax. So we, we didn't do that. You haven't deferred your VAT? No, because um, because we're a net reclaimer, <laughs> we'd have to defer them giving us money. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to so say, I didn't that's see, a mystery. didn't see the point in that. <laughs> You'll be pleased we have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was one of the initial ones. Then they uh, the council's got rid of business rates for this year. That That's actually quite a big help. Yeah. Uh, and then they did the grants. Under fifteen thousand, it's ten thousand pound grant, and under twenty, uh, under fifty one thousand, it's uh, twenty five thousand pound grant. And our local council were really efficient. Amazing. They, yeah, fair Audrey. play to them. Yeah. Audrey, it was. Was it Audrey? She yeah. must have emailed us as well. She must have been Ellis busy. Very mind, busy, Audrey. But very good. Yeah. Uh, and they all they did was ask for your bank details and paid the money into your bank. That that was really useful, and that's going to be useful in the short term. And the medium term for smaller businesses, actually. So if any business um, hasn't had this um, come through, because yeah. I think quite a lot of local authorities may be quite behind, Yeah. Well, what do you think, what would you do? Go on your local council website, Yeah. Yeah. and there'll be a contact form specifically for this, Yeah. and go on and contact them, because although they had our email addresses, yeah. they may not have your email address. They yeah. may be writing to you in the post. Yeah. We had a letter in the post to one of our shops, and I'm visiting daily to pick up stock for the internet. But if your shop's closed, you, you may not have seen the letter. And also, for your information, Royal Mail are really busy at the moment. Mm. We know from our own dispatches that it can take up to eight days just at the minute. Yes. So don't yeah. panic. Yeah. But definitely get in touch with your local authority, because that grant will make it it'll make a huge difference it's made a big difference to our cash flow as our business i should imagine it's certainly helped yours as well definitely yeah. so uh, you've got that uh furlough for your uh, colleagues that uh, we've got two retail stores and a concession they're completely closed so a majority of our colleagues are now on furlough yeah and that covers up to 80 percent of the wage bill yeah there's an online portal which you can go to which opened last monday that you put in your details of your payroll uh, and a lot of accountants actually are being really helpful on this. Our accountant did ours for us, I must must confess I didn't do it. Uh, They input in all the data and straight away they got back that we were going to get 80% of our staffing costs back. Uh, When do you get those? Do you get... Six working days afterwards. So yeah, so to be fair, again that's turned around really quickly. So that's another really good support mechanism. And Sibbles. Sibbles. So Sibbles is the Coronavirus Business Interruption Scheme loan. How do you remember that name, Luke? Well, I think I got it the wrong way around anyway. <laughs> loan scheme or something. But, I thought you oh, remembered it. Oh, it's because of Basil's wife of Faulty Towers. Yeah. Every time I write it down in an email, I, I think of that. The banks had a few issues to start with on this. 
but from experience working with two banks for um, some of our businesses last week, they have got into the swing of it now. Right. And uh, we had one loan for uh, a business last week that got approved within 12 hours. The key... Really? Yeah, the key... It, it'll take them four to six weeks to get the money to us, yeah. but it did get approved within 12 hours. The key with this is information. Yeah, so make sure you have last year's accounts as a PDF that you can email to them. Make sure you have your P&L uh, management accounts from the last period, the last three months or the last six months. Make sure you give your predictions for the next six months on a P&L report. Stop, Luke. How can we possibly know our predictions for the next six months? It's very easy. If you've got a high street shop, yeah, yeah at the current circumstances, you put in nil sales because you don't know if it's going to reopen. So you then put your cost base, your fixed costs, Remember not to put 100% of your payroll in if you furloughed your staff because yeah. you're getting 80% of that back. Put your fixed costs in. That will give you a figure at the end of your shortfall. Yeah. Combine that with your aged creditors report, so the people that you owe money to at the moment, and that will give you a figure that over the next six months you will need a loan for to pay those bills if you aren't able to reopen. I mean, you'll have to think of things that you simply won't need to use. For Absolutely. example, if you do deliveries, you're not really going to use any diesel in the van, are no. you? Well, I was speaking to a business locally today, as it happens, yeah. and they delivered to the catering trade. Yeah. So their business has, you know, dramatically reduced. Yeah. Although they have developed, because they're now delivering food boxes to people's houses. Yeah. But what they've done is sawned 80% of their vans. So that means they've taken them off the road, uh, so they're not paying any tax on them. They've taken them off their insurance policy. It's a bit of a risk if they were to get stolen, but I would imagine you can reduce your insurance, and I'm no expert uh, on insurance, but I would imagine you can reduce it to say, look, this vehicle won't be on the road, so you can reduce the premium of it. Yeah. And so they've done things like that so that you can reduce your cost base as much as possible. There are things that are really important still to pay. Pay your insurance premium. Yeah, because your business is shut. You could have a water leak, burst pipe. Um, someone could break in. You know, uh, as a retailer, it's really important to continue to pay your insurance. And note before we finished with regard to data breach. <laughs> um, as both of us have suffered from... Um, data breach. Uh, ours was pretty catastrophic in terms of cost and uh, implication to our business over the uh, past two years. Um, if you're going to go online, just really, um, and I'm not an expert, but just make sure that you use a reputable person to take the credit cards, whether that's a system like GoDaddy or Shopify or some Stripe. Stripe. Um, some something completely yeah. secure where you're not trying to take the payments yourself because a lot of people are going to be going online now yeah. and yet you and I both know the implications of uh, a data breach and cybercrime. I, what I would say is don't get if you are not haven't been online before don't get het up with sen setting up a big expensive website on the domain name you've had for 20 years <laughs> just go and put your product on eBay because it's a captive market uh, Amazon I don't believe are taking any new sellers at the moment uh, that may have changed by now but 
you know, everyone's got an eBay account, just sell a few bits and pieces on eBay. Yeah. Um, from my perspective, Shopify, you, I think you can set up a pretty simple website on there. Certainly if you're a crafter, Etsy for us mm, has been oh, really good. And if you can get signed up to Not On The High Street, that's another good way of selling. And I think Facebook now? Facebook, I was just, and Instagram. Yeah. Oh, Instagram. Yeah. You've got your local Facebook marketplace, haven't you? Every town's got their Hereford car boot online or something like that. So they're great places to sell. And there's no fees on Facebook. Lovely. Yeah. So um, thank you, Luke. Um, is there anything else we need to think about at all? I think uh, there's lots of things we've all got to think about in business at the moment, and it's a fast-changing environment. But what I would say is what you always tell me to do, Heather, <laughs> is to have the idea, write it down, and come back to it a bit later or in the morning just to make sure it makes sense, because we are all in a fast-changing situation and you don't want to suddenly suggest that everyone should ingest bleach. Quite right, Donald. Um, the way that I do things is write down what you think and then sleep on the opposite. So if you think you've got a great idea, think on why you shouldn't do that and then wake up the next day and usually most ideas drift off because they were just rubbish and the occasional one comes to the top. So thanks for listening. If you've got any questions that we can help with, we're just, we're not experts. We're just Heather from Wiggly Wigglers and Great British Florist and... Luke from Buy Jeans Fit and the School Uniform Shop. But you're welcome to leave us a question and contact us. Get together with us on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram. Yeah, we're on Instagram now. We are. We have, <laughs> yes. Although I do like LinkedIn. Yeah, you do, don't you? I like LinkedIn. Yeah. I think LinkedIn's the best. You'll love yeah. Luke's Instagram. Him and his partner, Byron, have got different taste in um, how Instagram should work. And Byron has the most beautiful pictures of Scylla the dog and flowers and the new pub, the Swan at Letton. And Luke updates us weekly on his skips. It's very important to get best value from any skip that you have. And Farmer Phil, your husband, very kindly comes down on a Saturday with his digger and compacts it for me. The one thing I'd say is, um, in business, don't try and be cool. If you need to do something different, just do it. And if you need to get a job during this period, I know that there's plenty of jobs in the farming sector, plenty of jobs in the care assistance sector, on my part and from Luke's part, there have been many times in our own businesses over these periods that we have gone and traded our time for money and got ourselves a job to support our business. So, um, you know, it's amazing that we've got support from each other and the government, but when all said and done, if you need to do something different, please do it. Necessity is the mother of all invention. Thank you, Luke. It. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Stop press. Um, even though this, this podcast is being recorded on Monday the 27th of April and we've just heard extra news on the government um, loan scheme, Sybils, that they've now announced a new loan for smaller businesses. Uh, they think it's going to be up to 25% of your turnover or £50,000, whichever is the uh, capped 
um, and it's called the bounce back loan. So uh, it means that the government will guarantee 100% of the loan. So you won't need a personal guarantee, but even better, the banks won't be guaranteeing it. And that means that all the hoops and, and challenges that people have to go through with Sybils should be a little less for the new bounce back loan. So just to let you know, it will launch on the 4th of May and there are details at the moment on the government website, um, but these will be updated, obviously. Thanks for listening to the Business versus COVID-19 podcast. If you like this episode, please leave us a review or send us a question. Connect with Heather and Luke on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram.